This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCube, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. Danfoss' story is both heartbreaking and incredibly powerful. A mongoose bit the young South African, and after having four limbs amputated and over 70 operations to save her life, the local survivor, and more importantly, warrior, has just launched her own TV show. It's called The Shan Show, and we're going to get into that in a second because it is quite inspiring to watch. Shan has joined me today to chat about her journey and how she has remained so flipping positive. Shan, welcome. It's great to have you on the show. Ah, Brent, thank you so much for having me here. What I'd like to do, Shan, is go back to that that day, that moment, that time in January 2017 when your life changed forever. What exactly happened? What happened was I was at my boss's house, and the bedrooms and the living area were separated, and she had um, a pet mongoose that unfortunately she didn't have papers for and stuff so it wasn't a legal mongoose to have and I wasn't playing with it or anything I walked out from the bedroom space into the living space and this thing ran up my leg and bit me on my hand that was on the 15th of January on the 17th of January um, at the evening of the 17th of January I was at my daughter's parents teachers meeting and I've never ever been to another parent teachers meeting since then I wasn't feeling so well. I was feeling nauseous. I excused myself from the meeting. I went to the bathroom and I passed out. When I eventually came around, I thought, I'm not going back into the meeting. I'm rather going to try and get myself home, which I did. And um, when I got to the door, my boss said to me, oh, my goodness, what's wrong? You look a bit gray. So I was put straight to bed, feeling extremely cold. Um, I had blankets and blankets and blankets on top of me. Um, the next day, the 18th of January, um, I couldn't get up to get my daughter to school. So my boss took my daughter to school. And around about two o'clock, I tried to get myself through to the kitchen to have something to drink. In the Between the, um, the morning and two o'clock, it just consisted of me going to the bathroom, throwing up, passing out, not much energy. And when I went through at about two o'clock to go and get something to drink, I collapsed. Um, I was then rushed through to casualty and I can remember sort of coming around and saying my hands and feet are on fire. The most awful pain I've ever, ever felt in my life. I must stop you there for a second. What did you think was happening? Did you, did you relate it back to the, the mongoose bite or did you? No, no, no. Um, I didn't think, look, when the mongoose bit me, um, there was a little bit of blood and everything, which I cleaned up and washed and all that stuff. And I didn't think much else of it, no. It was only when I was obviously under, in a coma, which we'll, we'll carry on with the story just now, it was only when I was in a coma that my husband said that, obviously the doctors were saying, you know, what what has gone on in the last couple of days that has been different? You know, what happened the days leading up to it? And my husband said, well, she was bitten by a mongoose. Sure. It's, um, you know, I, I, I just, I'm trying to put myself into that position where, you know, one thing's happened um, that you didn't you didn't think was a big thing, the mongoose bite. And no, then, no. All of a sudden, it like your whole 
Woo. Full celebration. Yeah. So, okay. So now, now we're in the coma. We understand that, that you were bitten by the mongoose. This has been relayed back to the doctors. Were the doctors able then to diagnose what exactly was going on in your body? They did blood tests and blood tests after blood tests, Brent, to figure out what had caused this bacteria and caused so much havoc that my organs had shut down. And unfortunately, they couldn't pinpoint exactly what had caused the bacteria. So they couldn't say it was definitely from the mongoose bites. They couldn't say exactly what had caused everything. Okay, but they kind of knew that you were going through some sort of bacterial sepsis. Um, they just didn't understand where it had come from. Did they start treating Correct. it while you were in the coma? Yes, um, they were pumping me for, look, I went into the coma, I went into casualty on the 18th of January. I don't have much recollection after telling the nurses and that, that my hands and feet were on fire. I don't remember much after that. So I'm not sure if I went into the coma on the 18th or, or on the 19th. But while I was in the coma, my all my organs started shutting down because what happens is your body goes into survival mode and it pulls the blood and everything away from the extremities to then try and, you know, keep the heart and lungs and all that alive. My kidneys had given up. My liver had given up. Not a drop of urine had come out of me the whole time I was in a coma. And they were pumping me full of antibiotics, all different ranges of antibiotics. And eventually, it was around about the 22nd, 23rd, the doctors had called my husband and my family in and said, listen, if, if she does not start responding to something in the next 24 hours, then there's not much more we can do or give to her. My white blood cell count was in the tens, where it should be like in the hundred thousands. And um, eventually, it was around about the 25th, 26th, my white blood cells started to climb. And that was when they realized, okay, she's starting to respond to these antibiotics. Um, we just now need her body to start kicking in and start fighting and doing what it needs to do. That was sort of a turning point in your health and where, where things started looking up and there was hope again. Cause up until that yes. point, I mean, it, it was unknown what would happen and, and if you would get through this. At what point did you start or did the doctors start, start looking at your arms and legs and going, there's a problem here? When I went into hospital, um, I don't know if you remember, I said when I got to the door, my boss said I looked a bit gray. Yes. When I went into hospital, my color had started turning. I've got a photo where you can see my nose and my lips are starting to go a little bit blue. Um, like <laughs> two days later, my hands, my feet were black. My nose was black. My lips were black. I lost the tip of my tongue, the top of my jaw, eight top teeth. So it was, it was fast, Brent. It happened very, very fast. And Shan, your memory recollection, I guess, and I'm assuming, is what people have told you because you were in the coma yes. during that time. Who did the doctor speak to with regards to then having that hard conversation of going in order to save Shan, we're going to have to amputate? Well, my dad was with me from the, the 19th, from what I've been told. You see, he kept a, like a, a, a social media and WhatsApp and all that is amazing nowadays where you can connect with family, like with one push of a button, like 10 people can get the message. So he kept a WhatsApp group of every single day, what was happening, you know, where the turning point was, what I looked like, you know, what the decisions were. And they were trying to wait as long as they could to see, look, my body was responding to the um, antibiotics. Maybe my hands and feet would start responding as well. So they couldn't amputate without my permission. They had to wait for me to come to be brought out of the coma to amputate. 
Oh, wow. I didn't actually realize that. So everybody was sort of holding on, waiting for you to get better. The doctors were treating all these different, um, your hands, your legs, your face. My organs. Organs. They were treating all these things at the same time. And everybody was waiting for you to wake up. Yeah. So what happened was I was brought out of the coma on the 29th of January to the physician saying, Welcome back. And I like looked at him and thought, where have I gone? Because the last recollection I had was going into casualty. Um, Obviously, it goes through a lot of trauma when it is in a coma. I mean, it's fighting for to save you. So they didn't want to bombard me with everything that had gone on. I know that they they kept my hands and feet wrapped up. And I, I couldn't understand why I couldn't get out of bed, you know. And my dad just said, just stay there. Just relax. Just be patient. And I think it was two days afterwards a physician came to me and he explained exactly what had happened and opened up my hands and showed me what had gone on and said, look, the, we've tried to wait as long as we can to see if life is going to come back into your hands and feet, but we're going to have to, if it doesn't change, we're going to have to make a decision and amputate your hands and your feet. Obviously, I had quite a lot of doctors that were around me and stuff trying to look after different parts of me, but because of that shock of telling me that my hands and feet had to be amputated, they weren't going to then tell me about my face at the same time. They thought, let's get her through this first hurdle and then we will tackle the next hurdle. So my response was, look, you got to do what you got to do. I've got a daughter who looks up to me and if I give up, what example am I going to be to her? So on the 6th of February, I had my legs amputated. On the 8th of February, I had my hands amputated. Now, obviously, this isn't something that happens in hospital every single day. So I had other doctors and nurses and all that coming into, well, they couldn't come into my room, but they could come to the door because I was in an isolated room in ICU. And the one doctor said, fine, you're going to amputate your hands and her feet. What are you going to do about her face? And that was when he looked around the room and thought, "Uh uh-oh, she doesn't know about her face yet. So that was how I heard that my nose had turned black, my lips had turned black. Look, I realized I, I was battling to talk. My tongue was very swollen and I'd lost the tip of my tongue. The gum at the top, part of the bone on the top palate, as well as eight top teeth, I would have to have removed as well. Shan, I, th- this was four years ago, right? It was 2017. Yes. I've been, I've been lucky enough to watch your documentary. And it's, uh, I'm going to add it into the podcast bio so that others can go and really see your story. But I must commend you. There's something inside of you that is so incredibly positive. What you're explaining now is is possibly one of the hardest things I've heard when interviewing anyone. And I've interviewed many different people with many different experiences and life experiences. But to hear what you've been through is incredibly emotional. It's incredibly traumatic. Um, I cannot even begin to understand what you have been through. But somehow there is this light inside of you that is so bright and so positive that it is almost overwhelming. Where does that come from? Brent, before this all happened, I wasn't a very confident person. I always had to look for reassurance. Am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? And when I went into my very first operation to have my legs amputated, something said to me, I mean, you don't normally on the operating theater sit up and look around you. Something said, sit up and look behind you. 
And as I looked behind me, there was a cross. And I knew there and then I would be okay. That didn't matter what was put in front of me, I would get through it. Also, my dad is a very positive person and he just tried to, those first few days, keep positive people around me. I believe that can't is not a word. If I say to you I'm unable to do something, it's because I have tried and tried and tried and tried and I've just, that's just one thing. But otherwise, I try and do everything and I, I just try and keep my mind positive and keep positive thoughts in there because if you say I can do something, 99.9% of the time you'll be able to do it. But as soon as you say I'm not too sure, maybe, uh, I don't know, that's normally when that little bit of doubt creeps in and that's normally when you can't do something. So I just try and keep positive thoughts. Yes, I do have my bad days like everybody does. But I just try and take it one day at a time and remember that tomorrow is a new day with new opportunities. And if I'm going to take today's problems over to tomorrow, then so be that on me. But if I tackle it head on, new day, new opportunities, then yeah, amazing things can happen, Brent. Well, you have. You certainly, certainly, certainly have tackled. I mean, you you call them hurdles, right? You just keep you yes. keep jumping over those hurdles and and making strides. And that leads us to. The next chapter. So the next chapter was healing. That was yes. where uh, you were learning to live a life with these newfound hurdles. And you haven't let that stop you. No, look, I, w- I went to rehab, not for alcohol or drugs. I went there to learn how to live again, how to do life. Wow. Wow. And you did. I mean, literally, <laughs> yes. in your little documentary that you, that you kicked off to launch the Shan Show, it shows how you put prosthetics on and you were walking. You were walking again. The very first day, Brent, the prosthetic guy, look, I had to do a lot of um, physio and stuff before to get strong. And then the prosthetic guy brought my legs to me and said, right, because you're a double leg amputee, today we're going to sit and stand because, you know, even if you've lost one leg, it's difficult to get the, the gist of everything. And I looked at this guy and I said, I haven't had my legs for how long? I said, now you're going to bring them to me and say, today you're going to sit and stand. I said, bullshit. I looked around the room. I saw a walker. I said, please bring me that walker. <laughs> and he said, okay. And he brought me the walker and he helped me up. And I did not stop. From the time I got that walker, from the morning I put my legs on and I was up and walking until the evening when I took them off. I had the walker for a Look, I had seven days to learn how to walk and everything before I was discharged from rehab and was going home. So from the walker, I had a couple days. It went to crutches, and you'll see in the, the launch of the Shan Show in the documentary, I left um, the rehab with crutches. I think I had the crutches for three days as well, and they were just getting in the way, and I thought, no, away with these crutches, and I just, yeah, I started walking by myself, and I walked and walked, and eventually, because of everything I had gone through, my legs became allergic to the liners that go directly on your legs, and that is the reason why I don't have prosthetic legs at the moment and that's the next point i was going to get this is the reason why the shan show has been created it's it's to raise awareness it's to raise money you've got another operation in mind you've had almost 70 or over 70 but there's more operations that are coming because you're not giving up no no um, i've had 68 operations so far the plastic surgeon reckons without the legs i've got about another 20 operations to go it's a, a testament to strength, 
and perseverance and passion and positivity and and you are truly an inspiration. Let's chat about the Shan Show. Your story's been everywhere. You've literally been in newspapers, magazines. I've been sent all the clippings after the fact. But the first time you really caught my eye was the launch of the Shan Show, this new show that you've put together where you're interviewing ordinary South Africans, extraordinary South Africans, people who are making a difference. And it's all live. Season one has kicked off. Yes, season one kicked off where I interviewed Costa Karastrabarkas, who has written a book, I Am Costa, where he opens up, he was a crystal meth addict and he kicked the habit and became a marathon runner. So yes, I'm interviewing other people, getting their stories out. It's not always people that bear their scars on the outside, but quite a few people bear their scars on the inside. So I'm just trying to get their stories out to raise awareness for them and let other people realize that somebody next to you walking in the street could be going through something that you don't even know about. So just be kind, you know, your kind words could make that person's day, you know. So, yeah, and to motivate and inspire other people to realize that, hey, life ain't so bad. Life ain't so bad. It's it's amazing that everything you've been through, you still, like I said, your your positivity is a light inside of you that you, you can feel it through your voice. You can feel this positive energy. You can feel that you're going places. I have been lucky enough to watch season one of your show, to see the way you engage and interact and tell stories. And I'm just excited to see where this is going to go and how this is going to grow for you. It's incredibly exciting. I am so excited, friend. I really am. I, I didn't think I would get this much feedback. It's awesome. It really is. I was going to say, it is relatively new. It was launched last week, but you're now popping up everywhere. I've heard you on the radio. People are interested in you and interested in your story. What has that been like to, to know that people are excited to see you thrive? It's amazing. And to know the hard work that's been put in behind the scenes is, you know, something's coming about it. And yeah, no, it's awesome, Brent. It's unfathomable as to how far and successful this thing has become so far. So I've alluded to the fact that that it's to raise awareness and also money and, and all that stuff that comes with it. But it's for these new prosthetics that you're looking for or looking to get. What exactly are they and how are they different to what is currently being offered to you? What happened was obviously I became allergic to the liners and I went, the prosthetic guy in Durban here said that there's a thing that they do overseas a lot in Sweden and Australia called osseointegration. Now, what that entails is they put a titanium rod directly into the existing bone in the leg, and then the prosthetic attaches to that. So there's no invasive socket or liner or anything on the skin. But because it hadn't been done in South Africa before, I went for the presentation in Cape Town in January 2019. And the the guy there said that I was a candidate, but because it had not been done through medical aid before in South Africa, it was putting all the motivation in place and all the operations that had been done and sending like a whole booklet of information to medical aid to get them to approve and authorize the procedure. And after a year of backwards and forwards, more motivation, more um, information, uh, in June last year, I got the call to say, unfortunately, they're declining the operation because they don't know what the success rate is. Even though the doctor from Australia, who's done over 800 of these procedures, was willing to come out to South Africa and do the operation, 
they still said no, they need more success stories and stuff like that. So, yeah, if okay. I ever wanted to walk again, unfortunately, I'm not a paraplegic who, who's bound to a wheelchair for the rest of their life. The only thing that's stopping me from walking is my legs. So we are, I mean, that's one of the big things that you're doing is raising awareness for this. And I think that that is commendable. Hopefully your medical aid hears this conversation and here's where you're going and here's what you're doing and decides to turn around on their decision so that you can get um, those prosthetics and, and the operation needed. Yes, I hope so, Brent. Otherwise, I've just got to raise funds and to do a lot of fundraising. So, yeah which is what we will help you work towards. Shan, I am so honored that you joined the show today. I'm looking forward to season two of The Shan Show to see where that goes. If people want to watch the show, if people want to get more information, if they want to check out your documentary, it is going to be, it is going to be in the podcast link, but where else can they go to get all the information about you? Okay, they can go on to Platform ZA. That's almost like a Netflix. Otherwise, it's free to watch on AlphaStream SA YouTube channel as well as my Facebook page, which is Shan Living Her Life. It's that easy. You're looking for Shan Living Her Life. We'll put that link in the comment section below the podcast. Shan, I want to thank you again, and I want to thank you for being such an inspiration. If you don't hear it enough, I'm going to say it again. You are absolutely incredible. What you have been through, I don't know if I would have come out the other side with the outlook that you have. And I just want to thank you for being such a bright light and being such a motivation and inspiration to so many people. Oh, thank you so much, Brent. I really appreciate it. And thanks for your kind words. To all our listeners, I want to wish you only good things. Go check out The Shan Show. I promise you, it's a great thing to watch and, and quite inspirational. I want to wish you only good things.